What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 347 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Matt Ryan episode? Uh, quarterback? Yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Matty Ice. That's what they call him? Yeah. Mm. Former Boston College star. They've retired his number there. Did you know? Give it to me. He's the cousin of Mike McGlinchey, the former Notre Dame offensive tackle. Did not know that. And he has thrown... 347 touchdown passes so far in his NFL career. He's Matt Ryan. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer... This one will be relived. ...Chuck Freebie. Forever! You know, I I watch and I learn and I listen uh, and I, I always can sense, like, when you get back from your summer vacation, you're like, you're in game mode. You're starting to do your countdown of high school football. And I could have no better picture of how you feel about that than I did last night. I think I finally got it. Because I now have a new invested interest mm-hmm. in what's happening. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited as you're excited. It's an exciting night. As I said in the morning sportscast today, we've waited nine months like an expectant woman to say high school football is back. And the birth of it happens tonight for us on TV 46. It happens at Bob Atulski Field in Mishawaka. We've got number 10, Mishawaka, facing number 4, Marion. Those are the rankings in the coaches' poll. But there's really, I don't know, seven or eight matchups tonight that, are, to me, are pretty intriguing. And even if your child is participating in a matchup that is not as intriguing 
there is something about the opening day of any season. There is a a mystery about how is this all going to unfold? What's going to happen? It is, I liken it to an author who sits down to write the book, but doesn't really necessarily know what the end of the story is going to be. He's got He's got a start, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know what the finish is going to be. He may know what he hopes the finish will be. I mean, obviously, everybody who starts tonight hopes the finish will be a championship. Then reality sets in, and the realization is maybe we don't have a championship team, which is one of the reasons I've been asking coaches this year in the preseason interviews, what is your measure of success? Because obviously there's a scoreboard that tells you what success is every Friday night. But for some of these teams, it's not realistic to think that they're going to get maybe more than two or three wins this year. Other teams, because of the talent they have or the cultivation that they've been able to do over time, they have loftier goals. So it's always interesting to see what that measure is mm-hmm. for different teams. And, and of course, on 46, we try to show the teams that are going to have better years. And I think Mishawak and Marion are poised for good seasons this season. Shout out to our mutual friends, Sean and Vince, who will be calling tonight's game on the radio on a flatbed truck. Yeah, unfortunately, Marion's facilities aren't that big. Right. And they have a station, a radio station, that does a fair number of their games that they try to treat honorably. Sure. And uh, Pecking order. And we're the big dogs on the porch. Yeah. I, I make no bones about it. We've been doing this for 32 years. We've built a reputation. I think we treat people right. People treat us right. And that's not a knock on Sean and Vince. They treat people right, too. Absolutely. But there's only room for really two stations in that press box. We had a good laugh about it. But I say, but I, as I say it right now, it's all about the punctuation. You can either say, we're broadcasting on a flatbed truck, dot, 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 or we're broadcasting on a flatbed truck. Or you don't even have to tell people that you're on a flatbed truck. No one's going to know that but us. Because, really, the person listening at home doesn't care what your facilities are. They don't care what your conditions are. They just want to hear the game. Wouldn't it be awesome if the truck moved from end zone to end zone for plays? Well, <laughs> might give them a better perspective. Be Easier cool, call. It? But I there's a story about Vin Scully. He's hired by Red Barber, fresh out of Fordham University. And his first assignment is a Harvard football game that's being played at Fenway Park. Vin is under the mistaken impression that he is going to be in a heated press box. He is on the roof of Fenway Park on about a 40-degree day in Boston. (laughs) Two days after the game, the Harvard Sports Information Director calls Red Barber and apologizes that he didn't have a booth for his broadcaster and that he had to put him on the roof. Barber says, this is the first I'm hearing about it, which means Vin Scully didn't complain about it. He just went out and did the game. Right. Speaking of the game, the game we have tonight, let's start with that one. Okay. Marion and Mishawaka. 
I think you have perhaps the two most explosive players in northern Indiana football this season going head-to-head. You have Ooh, Justin you Fisher okay. from Mishawaka, their quarterback, who led the state in quarterback rushing last year with over 1,400 yards, mm-hmm. scored 21 touchdowns last season. He'll lead that Mishawaka option attack that they've used since Bart Curtis came to town a while back. Keith Kinder has picked it up. He's won three sectionals with it. And he'll lead that Mishawaka attack against a Marion team that features a young man by the name of Greg Atkinson. Greg Atkinson is a speedster, to say the least. Last year, between running the football, receiving, and kick returns, he averaged 20 yards a touch every time he touched the football. So he's an explosive and exciting player. And they're not alone. There's a lot of talent on the field tonight. Should be a lot of fun. The big question to me is how much have the defenses improved? Marion's defense last year wasn't too bad, and they bring a lot of people back. So they should be pretty salty on defense with the alliterative combos of Setafano Sete and Michael Murphy, their linebackers, leading the way. And then Gabe Kerr, that's a really good linebacking core for Marion. Mishawaka last year really took its lumps on defense at the beginning of the season. Their first five games last year, they averaged giving up 33 points a game. Then they got better, and their last six games last year, they only allowed 16.5 points per game. They'll need a similar performance tonight, which will be tough against a Marion team. The one thing that Marion does not have going in its favor, they have a new quarterback this year. His name is Bryce Lassane. He's the sophomore. Threw 21 passes in games last year, but he was never the man. Now he's the man at the helm of the Marion offense, and can he direct their attack in such a way? Michael Davidson, the head coach, is confident. He likes what he has seen from his player, but he also understands this is a really good Mishawaka team and a stern opening test for both coaches. Nice. Let's look at some of the other games in the area tonight. If we weren't doing Mishawaka and Marion, we would probably be doing Concord at Elkhart. Why is that? Well, because Concord, I think, might have the best depth in their receiving core of any team in the area. They've got a second-year starter and quarterback at Hunter Dutton who can throw to either Amarian Moore or Jack Darcy or their tight end, Zavin Koltukian, and get the ball downfield and really put pressure on defenses. Elkhart has... Almost a brand new team. They lost 19 of their 22 starters from the team that won the sectional championship a year ago. Their top receiver, Donovan Johnson, is hurt. Caleb Hauser is a move-in from Edwardsburg, who was their leading rusher during the tournament run last year up in Michigan. He has come to Elkhart. I think he's poised to be a star for Elkhart. I think he's going to be really, really good. Brady Krupper takes over the reins at quarterback. And I still think the defense for Elkhart's going to be pretty good. Javen Lowe leads that defensive unit from the nose tackle position. So we'll see how the Lions and Minutemen match up in what should be a terrific atmosphere at Rice Field. Craig Kaler, the Concord coach, I think he tweeted this out today that it may not be able to match the atmosphere of the Mangy Lion game, that old Central Memorial game that they used to play. Mm Mm-hmm. But Concord's just down the road, and they're going to bring a lot of folks. And Elkhart should be excited after last year, and they should have a lot of folks. I think it should be a fun atmosphere at Rice Field. Love it. There are a lot of what I call road rivalries. So 
Concord and Elkhart, you could say that's U.S. North 33. U.S. South 33 would be Goshen at Fairfield. Goshen has only won one game in each of the last three seasons. Kyle Park and his seniors are desperate to turn it around. You go to their practice and you see some talent on the field. There, there are some athletes there. Then you've got a quarterback battle between Quinn Bechtel and Deacon Hill, and they're both going to see time tonight. They've won four out of the last five against Fairfield, but Matt Thacker has kind of turned the Falcons around. When he took the job four seasons ago, this is fourth season, they went 0-9. Last year they went 9-1. Now last year Fairfield and Goshen didn't get the chance to play because of COVID. So Fairfield's hungry for this game. They're expecting a big crowd. They've got a new quarterback in Carter Kitson, point guard from the basketball team. He'll have to make decisions quickly in this option offense, but I do think they've got some veteran linemen, including the coach's son, Grant Thacker, who can really help Fairfield. And I would say Fairfield's the favorite in this game, even though they're a 2A school and Goshen is a 5A school. You said something. Uh, let me let me interject here for one second. What do you think the percentage is locally in Indiana of multi-sport players on the field these days? I would say it's at least 50%, if not more. Uh, football really depends on it. It's tough for kids to specialize in just football. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think basketball, you see less of it, unfortunately, because I think basketball players would be well served by playing a fall sport, even if it's not football. Tennis would help you with your footwork. Cross country would help you with your endurance. Uh, soccer would help you with both, quite frankly. So, but I think coaches, coaches at the college level like multi-sport athletes, and here's the simple reason why. They show that a kid's competitive. They show that a kid's compete, that he's a little more well-rounded, probably in better condition. So coaches look for those kinds of things. Okay. Let's go back to the road rivalries we have. The battle for State Road 19 is Jimtown at Northwood. Jimtown went 7-4 and four in Corey Stoner's first year last year. They have a very exciting player in John 2 Reed. Uh, junior All-State defensive back, but he also plays running back. He'll get the bulk of the carries in this offense, but Tyson House is a veteran quarterback. He'll be asked to distribute the ball. The question for Jimtown is, how much do they have up front? Do they have enough strength on the offensive and defensive lines to A, run the football, and B, stop the run? And it's funny that Jimtown should have those questions because Northwood has the same exact questions as they enter this game. Nate Andrews has talent at the skill positions. He's got a punishing running back. Ethan Evers, this kid, passes the eye test. Six foot, 205 pounds. He can run fast, and he can make you hurt when you go to tackle him or when he tackles you. Caden Lone is back at quarterback. Got a little time there last year behind Nate Newcomer. He should help this team. I think Northwood has skill people. The question is, do they have the big hosses up front to consistently move the football and to consistently stop teams from moving the football? So that's an interesting matchup down in Napanee tonight. And then you got the battle for US 6. You've got LaVille going over to Bremen. I called this last night a small school slobber knocker because you've got a couple of physical teams, both LaVille and Bremen, 
in contrast to Jimtown and Northwood, both LaVille and Bremen have plenty of folks coming back on the line of scrimmage. Where they lost people was at the skill positions. Now, they both returned their quarterbacks. LaVille's got a kid by the name of Lucas Plummer, only a sophomore, started last year as a freshman, had a very good season. By the way, here's a fun fact about LaVille. Give it to me. They have had seven straight winning seasons. Do you know the only other schools in the area right now who have streaks of seven or more winning seasons in football? Mm. They would be the two on TV 46 tonight, Mishawaka and Marion. (laughs) That's it. So LaVille's right up there in terms of their productivity, in terms of their winning seasons. Will Hostrosser has done a great job. He'll put a lot on the plate of the sophomore Lucas Plummer, but I think he can deliver. Last year he had, I believe it was 11 touchdown passes. But Bremen has its quarterback coming back as well. Ethan Nunemaker is a three-year starter in this offense for Jordan Leeper. Last year, he threw 15 touchdown passes. We had him on TV 46. He throws bullets. He's pretty good. If they can find some running backs, and usually, to be honest with you, running backs are usually the easiest thing to find because everybody likes to carry the football. So if they can find some running backs on both sides, could be good years for both LaVille and Bremen and these two schools have a history. They used to be together in the old Northern State Conference. A couple of other games to keep an eye on. There's a lot of uh, Northern Lakes Conference versus Northern Indiana Conference games tonight. And one of the more intriguing is over at School Field, Northridge. Very similar to the Elkhart team that we talked about that had to replace a lot of starters. Chad Epley is a new coach, and he's got to replace 17 of last year's 22 starters. So he's got a yeoman task in front of him. They go over to school field, take on an Adams team that's always kind of a mystery because Antoine Jones is somewhat of a chameleon. He will change offenses at the drop of a hat. Last year, he ran some single-wing stuff uh, before he's been known to chuck the ball all over the lot. Does that work, the way he does that? Well. (laughs) Depends on the team he has? It depends on the team he has. Okay. Yeah. Last year, Adams got off to a really good start. They were 3-0. Now. Was that because people didn't know about the offense? Was it because of the talent that he had? Or was it because they played the weaker teams on their schedule earlier in the year and then wound up playing tougher teams later on? You can make an argument for all of those. Okay. But the fact of the matter is Adams has a big physical offensive line. They've got some talented skill people. Torin Day at quarterback, James Jordan in the backfield. I think they've got some pieces to disrupt some things in the NIC North this year, but this is a good test for them out of the shoot because, as Antoine Jones said in our interview, Northridge is such a blue-collar team. They are going to make you grind for four quarters to beat them. So lunch bucket kind of game at school field tonight. And then the other game that I wanted to talk about is Valparaiso taking on Penn. Penn has a new quarterback in Ryan Buckley. They have a very good linebacking core and a very good defense. The question for Penn is, again, offensive line. Can they create the running game that Corey Yeoman likes to do? He's got a speedster in the backfield in Alec Hardrick, but Hardrick is kind of a small back. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to run the ball 20 times in a game. You're going to pick your spots for him. So, Can Penn replace the receivers that they lost last year? Can Penn get the offensive line going? Because we always know the Penn defense is good. But Valpo has been the dominant team in Class 5A around here the last couple of years. 
And it'll be interesting to see what the Vikings have coming back. They typically run the football very, very well. This will probably be, and I'll probably be wrong on this, but this will probably be a low-scoring game over in Valparaiso tonight, which is where you were last night. Mm -hmm. I have two questions for you. Where do I see tonight's game that you're broadcasting? Tonight's game that I'm broadcasting, there are multiple ways to see it. At 645, you can tune in on the WHME 46 Sports Facebook page. Okay. You could go to our WHME 46 Sports YouTube page or to the IHSA Champions Network and find the logos of Marion and Mishawaka. Click there, and you can watch us then. Or, as we've done for 32 years, we'll put it on free over-the-air TV tonight on TV 46, tonight at 11, and tomorrow morning at 9. I'm trying to remember which one I like more, Facebook or YouTube. I've watched both. Maybe YouTube. I think I've enjoyed that one more. I am I am told that YouTube, for some reason, the picture looks a little bit clearer. Yeah. But yeah. Facebook allows you probably more interactivity, if that's your kind of thing, if you like to talk with different fans during the game and things like that. You know like why I like that. YouTube now? I think about it, Chuck. Because, uh, of the, because you don't have to see the comments. Facebook, <laughs> I've had to throw up on the TV per my phone. YouTube is on our TV. And it's just one less step. That's sure. what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. I get that. Uh, second question. You said uh, yeoman's task. What's the origin of that phrase? It's a it's a naval phrase. The yeoman is a person on a ship, usually somewhere just below the first mate, and has to do a lot of the work okay. on a ship. So I've, I've heard you use that before, so mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I knew what it meant. Yes. Thank you. Much like you asked yesterday what 11 on 11 meant. I thought it was a news term from back in your TV days. I literally thought that's what it was. <laughs> you know, like weather on the nines? It's not. <laughs> it tur- turns out that's not what, what no, I was thinking. No. Yeah. I, when you asked that one to me on Twitter, and that flows into our Notre Dame football discussion that we'll have now, because that's where that came from, uh, I tweeted out about Josh Lugg having an injury yesterday and being held out of 11-on-11. 11 11. And you come back. And, and, of course, here's the danger of Twitter or text. When you read something in text or Twitter – You imagine a certain intonation, which you may or may not have had. Mm -hmm. And here's the way I imagined you saying that. What does that even mean? (laughs) In our 30-year friendship, I wonder if you've got it nailed on the head or if I should leave it a mystery. (laughs) Actually, I didn't know, and I knew I wouldn't talk to you till today. So I was like, what what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's the... uh, it's the undertone of this whole podcast. Once you have and, to remember, there's some things I and, just don't know. And I reminded myself of that. Yeah. So I answered your question that 11 on 11 refers to the 11 players on both sides in a scrimmage situation. Our friend Vince texted his wife, hey, our son just kicked a PAT. And she responded, what's a PAT? As would I. Point after touchdown. Thanks. <laughs> I just thought it was Pat. Yeah. Point after touchdown. Let's get into Notre Dame football. What have you heard? What have you seen? Well, I got to see a lot yesterday because they opened the full practice for the media to watch. Ooh. And, um, First time in a while, right? They did it last week, but I think they probably showed a little bit more this time around. Just by the... I wasn't at the first one. I was at this one. But just the way my... Physically. Uh, Brought... You were yeah. physically there. Wow. I was physically there. Okay. 
And just the way my uh, brethren in the media kind of reacted to things, I kind of gathered that they saw a little bit more this time around than they saw the last time around. Okay. Our buddy Pete Sampson, former Sports Yak guest, uh, I thought did a great job in his article uh, in The Athletic going through and kind of breaking down the kinds of things they saw. So let me get you past the uh, individual drills that were being done, although he did have a a nice note. So he did this uh, real-time making comments on The Athletic. He says, 11.23 a.m., Kyle Hamilton's backpedal is a lesson in economy of motion. No wasted movement, so smooth. The safeties that follow him, arms all over the place like those inflatable figures outside of a car wash. <laughs> Good reference. Thought that was thought that was well played. Uh, then their name showed some gadget plays that we're not allowed to talk about because they don't. The understanding is you can go, you can observe, you can film up to a certain point. But you have to respect that. Fascinating. There are some things that yeah. have to be kept. Within. We're, we're pulling back the curtain for you, but you're not pulling it back for everyone else. Right. Okay. That we're trying to help you do your job. You know, you you TV people, we're giving you an opportunity to get some nice video of people. Um, you print people, we're giving you a chance to watch the full practice. But there has to be an understanding that. You can't put into detail yeah. everything that we're doing here. It's like going to a concert as a media person, but you don't get to print the set list. Right. You can come see Hall & Oates, but don't tweet out what, what, what all we're playing. So the next per yeah. Yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying. Which, um, by the way, our boy Tim Graw went and saw Hall & Oates last night. Solid thumbs up. We can save that for later. Okay. Somehow, uh, 11.30, somehow we're halfway through camp without a mention of Chris Tyree. His foot speed is quicker and more powerful than the other backs today. If we haven't been talking about him, that's a mistake. Um, Pause button. Are you on the sidelines watching Chuck? Or are you in a... Are you in a press box watching this? How does this work? We're up in the stands. Oh, okay. Wherever you want to sit. Or in a section. In a a fairly large but still segmented area. Because apparently it's either Board of Trustees Day or Faculty Day or Fan. It's not Fan Day, but there's a group of people that aren't like us over on the other side watching too. Okay. Okay. Um, looks like, for lack of a better term, civilians. Not like we're the military or anything, but mm-hmm. basically people that aren't necessarily in journalism, but nor are they necessarily associated with the program. This is in their uh, practice facility. No, this is in Notre Dame Stadium. Oh, you're in the stadium. We're okay. in the stadium. Okay. So then he starts, um, then we start looking at some one-on-one battles that happen between the receivers and the defensive backs. And I will echo the thoughts of Mr. Sampson here in that the receivers won the day yesterday. I mean, Kevin Austin, the speedster, looked really good. I mean, he just blew by D.J. Brown on one point, and Cone put it on the money. 
Um, Tyler Buckner, the backup quarterback, threw a strike to Deion Colsey. Then he hit Kyron Williams. I was really impressed with Kevin Ballman. He's a third-string tight end, but I think he could be a second-string tight end by the time this camp breaks. And one of the things Brian Kelly talked about with Ballman after practice, last year he compared Ballman to a bull in the china shop. He's a tight end, and he's coming in, and he's just used to dominating everybody in high school just physically. And you can't do that at the college level because the guy on the other side of you is going to be really good too. Mm -hmm. So he had to learn his position, learn about running routes, learn how to use his gifts and his talents in a way that's going to put him in a better position to succeed. And in so doing that, he's found ways to get open and found that, hey, if I get open, the quarterback will find me. So that's the way it worked yesterday for Bauman. He's the number two because the number one tight end, Michael Mayer, who came out the other day and you know, kind of had some bold statements, said there's nobody who should be able to tackle me one-on-one. Uh, his <laughs> offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, said he has the potential to be the best tight end in Notre Dame history. And if you know anything about Notre Dame football, they've had some really good tight ends over the years. So that's a bold statement from Reese. But then you watch practice yesterday, and it got backed up. I mean, Michael Mayer makes makes any quarterback look better than what he probably is. Now, quarterbacks are throwing balls in tight windows where Michael Mayer is well defended, and Michael Mayer is still catching the ball. Hey, how is what's your opinion of Cone? I thought Jack Cone was very steady yesterday. There were a couple of times where I thought that he didn't see receivers who were open. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Reese shared that same observation loudly with Jack. Uh, But overall, I thought Jack Cohn was by far the most consistent quarterback of the group. And I thought he showed very good accuracy on his throws. There was not a throw that Jack Cohn made where I thought, oh my gosh, if he makes that throw during a game, they're in trouble. There were a lot of throws that Jack Cohn made where I thought if he makes that throw during a game, the other team is in trouble. Okay. So that's that's what you want out of your quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought he looked good. Uh, it was tough to evaluate the running backs. The biggest takeaway I had was the offensive line is still a work in progress. Uh, I was not impressed with them yesterday. They did not have a good day. That might be because Notre Dame has a really good defensive line. Isn't that always the thing that we deal with with a scrimmage? If one side looks good, is it because the other side isn't good? Or did they just have a bad day? Or is the side that looked good actually making improvements? Brian Kelly seemed to think it's because the side that looked good is actually really good and making improvements. And in Marcus Freeman's system, while it's a new system, They seem to have it down. They're flying around. They're making plays. And I will say the team speed of this Notre Dame team, they've had individual faster players. There's no Rocket Ismael on this team. There's no Will Fuller on this team. But in terms of a team, their speed is probably the best I've seen. Pardon my ignorance, but do they ever do a uh, scrimmage against another team in college football? No, not in college football. Not at all. Now, the pros do that a lot. And that led to some problems yesterday because the Rams and the Raiders got in a brawl. 
And John Gruden pulled his team off. It's supposed to be a practice with the two teams going against each other. And the reason you do that is you get tired of hitting each other. You're going to play against somebody else. Yes. And it gives both teams an opportunity to try some things that they're working on. And the Rams and the Raiders don't play each other in the regular season. So why not? Well, here's the problem. Big brawl breaks out. Gruden pulls his team off the field drives them back to the team hotel where they're staying and says, I'm not putting up with this fill-in-the-blank anymore. So we'll see if the Raiders... Now... What does that mean? Guys that get in fights and guys that cause penalties, and you're going to get cut. Okay. Okay. That's what that means at the NFL level. Okay. At the college level, maybe it means, okay, you're not going to play or you're going to have to run some steps. Or at the high school level, it's... At the pro level, you're fired. Yeah. That's what he might be um, saying. Exactly. Okay. Get it together. Figure it out. <laughs> Much as I yell at the dog from now and then, figure it out. <laughs> and that dog's like, what did he just say to me? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's my favorite Simpsons joke. I think they did it one time where Homer's yelling at the dog, and then they come from the dog's perspective. And so I hear that every time now when I think of a human talking to a dog. Wobble we were wobble we were rah 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 Cooper wobble we were rah. Exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. Me- what you're it saying. means nothing. <laughs> but you used my name, so I appreciate that. Yeah. You want to get into baseball? Are you all finished with no, Notre Dame? We, yeah, we're finished with Notre Dame. Uh, let's get into some baseball very quickly. The Cubs had the night off, so they didn't lose. But hey, they've got that two-game winning streak. Everything's everything's fine. Something to build on. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Cubs last night did pat themselves on the back. The Ricketts family pats themselves on the back. I How noticed. so? Well, they opened up. Uh, they honored themselves for their historic preservation of Wrigley Field. Oh, oh, the rededication ceremony. Yeah, they honored themselves. <laughs> There's got to be some light at the end of the tunnel this season. Let's do this. And then they opened up the Cubs Hall of Fame. Oh, and. Apparently, at Wrigley Field, there will be a Cubs Hall of Fame with many former greats in it. Speaking of Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. how much of a five-year-old did you turn into yesterday <laughs> when the Fergie Jenkins retweeted you or responded or whatever? Well, it, it's funny you should mention that because the reason he responded to a tweet that I made was I had tweeted out, and I also did this on Facebook, I put pictures of... The scorecard, both outside and inside, from my first game that I went to at Wrigley Field, which was when I was five years old. Five years old. Ferguson Jenkins pitched for the Cubs, a Hall of Famer, Cy Young Award winner, and he hit a homer in the game. I think the Cubs hit seven homers in the game, and they won it 12-2 over San Diego. So it was the 51st anniversary of that game. I tweeted out pictures of the scorecard and everything. And I had mentioned Fergie in the tweet. I used his Twitter handle, hoping that he would at least see it. And then he responds, he quotes the tweet and says, nothing like your first game. And I, I tweeted back at him later in the day, thank, thank you for responding. I'm thrilled. Yes. Because I was. I mean, how often do you have a Hall of Famer tweeting it yeah who's not dead or right. fake <laughs> right i 
you know, here I am. I'm just a, a schmuck in <laughs> South Bend, Indiana, and Fergie took the time out to do that. So well, it's a true fan that hangs on to that stuff as well. I yeah. love that that's, that's your mom's handwriting. That's you keeping score. Well, and it's funny. I, I had responses from people that I didn't know, so apparently – I don't think the Cubs ever retweeted it, but Fergie tweeting it out there. There are people that follow him, yeah, and they got to see this scorecard and the prices oh, that are in there. Fascinating. There was nothing at the ballpark that cost more than eleven dollars. Let me repeat that: there was nothing at the ballpark. This was an adult jacket. An adult Cubs jacket that you could get for $11. The price of taking little Chuck to the ballpark that day, my grandstand seat, my program, the Cubs pencil, the hot dog, and the Coke, was less than $2. And somebody figured it out later, by inflation standards, so what was $2 back then? $13.60 today. I'm sorry, you can't even get in the ballpark at most places for $13.60. Nope. And God knows the concessions don't cost like that. <laughs> so that was a great memory for me. But Concessions last Sunday night, by the way. I had a Van Halen jersey on at the show. Uh, three hot dogs, two soda drinks, and two nachos came up to... Fifty-one fifty. That sounds oh how nice. I was I was super excited, but I was like, "Woo!" Did you tweet Sean and Vince about that? I I wanted to, but I forgot because Sean would understand what the fifty-one fifty reference. <laughs> Vince, Vince would be like you on the PAT. <laughs> What's the one fifty mean, bro? Cubs and uh, Royals this weekend. Yes. The White Sox lose to the A's yesterday 5-4, but they had a good week against Oakland. They won three out of four. I don't know if you saw the video or not of Chris Bassett, the Oakland pitcher, taking a line drive off the face on Tuesday night. Oh, Pretty, yeah. 100 mile an hour? 100 mile an hour line drive off the bat of Brian Goodwin. For, fortunately, it's easy for us to say, well, he's okay. He's got a broken cheekbone, but his vision will not be affected. He's mm. he's expected to make a full recovery. I still wonder what it will be like for him the next time he goes out on a pitching mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how does that impact his career? Because I would think that there would be a flinch or a fear factor. Maybe not. Maybe he can shake it off. You know, Ryan Newman had that horrific crash, and yet he's back in a stock car driving. So who knows? But the White Sox have had a good week. The Tigers have not. The Tigers, the only thing going well for the Tigers this week is the fact that Miguel Cabrera hasn't hit his 500th home run, so people continue to flock to Comerica Park, <laughs> hoping that they'll be there the night that he hits his 500th home run. Mm-hmm. But on Tuesday night, Jack Morris, who was the color man for Bally Sports Detroit, which does the Tiger games, was asked by his play-by-play announcer, how would you pitch to Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani, of course, is the angel star who has not only pitched to an 8-1 and record this year, but has now hit 40 home runs on the season and is probably going to be the American League MVP. Morris was asked how you pitch to Otani, and in an Asian accent, he says very, very carefully. Now, I'm not going to mimic the Asian accent on here because I like my job. 
and I want to keep my job. But Jack Morris used the Asian accent. The phones lit up at Bally Sports Detroit. And by the next day, Jack Morris was suspended as the Tigers broadcaster. Then, the next day, Otani hit his 40th homer. Then, the next morning, the former Tiger great Bill Freehand passed away, 11-time All-Star, 5-time Gold Glove catcher, member of the 1968 World Series champs. So it's kind of sliding downhill for the Tigers. But the ball club says, hold our beer. We can make this worse. And they do. <laughs> they get a 10-2 lead yesterday on the Angels. The Tigers had not blown an eight-run lead in a game since 1986. Again, <laughs> hold our beer. The Angels rough. score 11 straight runs and beat the Tigers 13-10. to 10. Mm. And that's story time with Uncle Chuck. What do we have in the world of pop culture? You mentioned this Hall & Oates concert. Was that in Noblesville last night? I think that's where they went. Yeah. 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 I, I saw the opening night set list. I think I might have sent it to you. And I thought, this is worth a concert ticket. I wouldn't mind. I would have gone if it weren't the Thursday night before my first game. Yeah, I I would have uh, enjoyed that. I don't know who opened for them. I figured they'd get somebody else of nostalgic flavor. I haven't uh, I haven't checked into that, but okay, look, look great. Mm-hmm. And a big thumbs up from Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else do you have? Anything? Any movies opening this weekend? That I we want to see to? the Aretha Franklin movie. Uh, I. Uh, I told uh, our coworker this. I was at Walmart the other day, and they're selling the soundtrack on vinyl. It's a two-disc deal. It's gold. It's like a Walmart exclusive. But it's Jennifer Hudson singing the Aretha Franklin songs. Oh. That's kind of the face I made, because I haven't seen the movie yet, and I wonder, is she... Is she portraying Aretha Franklin in the singing, or is it her renditions of these classic songs? One wonders, you know, how much did the Aretha Franklin estate or family have anything to do with this movie? Have you heard the story of uh, Aretha and Jennifer Hudson? Have you heard this? No. Before she passed, she said, I want you to play me. Like, hand chosen. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, we could we could actually settle this right now. We could. Uh, I mean, why, why don't we? We could. Uh, I could fire this up right now. What's the name of the movie? Is it called Respect? Respect, isn't it? Uh, Respect soundtrack. Here it is. What do you want to do? You want to do a full on classic song? You want to hear it? You want me to go with something that we would know that we know that we know? What do you want to do? Um, uh, like for example, we can do Respect. We can do Chain of Fools. We'll just do a little a little nip. What do you what do you do respect? All right, so this is Jennifer Hudson portraying Aretha Franklin. Here we go. But all I'm asking is for It's good. But there was a a rawness to Aretha's singing. And and maybe it's you know, the scratchiness of albums back then or whatever, but there just seemed to be... Jennifer Hudson's so good that it's smooth. Mm-hmm. Aretha, 
Yeah, what, wouldn't respect be like front end of the career, still raw, yeah. untamed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not overproduced, where Jennifer's got a history, right? you know, an Oscar, and a okay. Grammy. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from her. She's yeah. doing a great job, mm-hmm. but it's almost too good. Almost, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, Chuck Freebie. All right. Uh, you want to do underrated, overrated? You got I, anything up your sleeve? Yeah, I got a couple. All right, go for it. Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and here's why I laugh. My son wrote down in a class project already, name a uh, favorite movie that you like. And you saw Ferris Bueller for the first time. And he loved it. After that, though, Matthew Broderick, I mean, overrated in my opinion. More of a Broadway guy, honestly. Later in his career, uh, married to Sarah Jessica Parker, I believe. And I think most of his work has been done on stage and not in film. So unless you're a Broadway fan, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how you can be around here, I, I would have to say, I would almost have to file an incomplete. Okay, I see where you're at. I do remember a, uh, a movie I want to introduce my son to, but it might be super dated. Remember War Games? Yes. Now, I thought he was really good I in that. he was good in that. Was, that was before Ferris, right? It was. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that set the stage for Ferris. But then it's like, I don't know. And, and maybe this isn't the worst business decision. Maybe you sit there and say, how can I do anything better than what I just did in Ferris? I mean, that's. I don't know that Matthew Broderick was ever going to do anything after that that was going to take people's eyes off Ferris Bueller. So interesting uh, discussion, right so there. So why do that? Why not? Okay, now I've got this name and this reputation. Let me take it over into this area. Okay, I've done this here. Let's go do this over here. Right. Little voice acting here, Lion hey, King. He's done a lot of voice acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I wouldn't be so quick to say overrated. Okay. I, I think he might have won a Tony or two. Okay. So, um, but I'll, I'll say incomplete just because I don't know. I think that's our first incomplete ever on the podcast. Yes, it is. It's okay. a cop-out on my part, but that's okay. Uh, it's a good one. Have we, I don't know if we've done this one before. Pink. I think we have because okay. of the documentary that came out. Oh, I would that's say right. I would say underrated. Okay. I think she's a. I think vocally, and I think performance wise. Well, I'll I'll give you one that we haven't done that you're you brought her name up on the show already. Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson is um, right down the middle. Right down the middle. Dream Girls Academy Award. <laughs> Uh, did she actually win American Idol, or did she come in like second or third place? I think she was not a winner. I don't think she was either, which I think was amazing because it's like, wait a minute, someone in the top ten won an Academy Award. Right. Did Jennifer Hudson win American Idol? Let's ask the internet. She was a finalist. Finalist, on, yeah. In the third season, placing seventh. There you go right there. What a success story. Yeah, I I would say underrated. The only time that I've had a problem with Jennifer Hudson besides today's show (laughs) 
is there was a series of American Family Insurance commercials that she was on. Okay. Where she would go up and sing with street performers on the street. I think I remember that. And that just annoyed me. Yeah. Because it's like these War street... thin. Yeah, it just... Were they like, any good? I don't remember. Were the commercials or the street performers? Like the street performers. Was she like discovering new talent? Right. Kind of she, that was the thing. Okay. She was trying to showcase the street performers. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If you want to showcase the street performer and you're Jennifer Hudson, don't come up and sing with them because here's the problem. <laughs> Everybody's going to be watching Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. not the street performer. <laughs> and you said underrated? I think underrated. I mean, mm, I'm going to change mine as well. I'll go acting, underrated. Acting, singing. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll go underrated. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's all I got. I give you the song, the 1812 Overture. Underrated or overrated? <laughs> I I would have to say the song itself is underrated, and here's why. I'm not sure when Tchaikovsky wrote the 1812 Overture, right? But the fact that people still know what it is. And again, around here, more than likely, thanks to the Notre Dame Band, which has been playing 100-year-old songs for over 100 years. Uh, but the fact that people still know what it is, mm-hmm. and even if it weren't for the Notre Dame Band, perfect, show for a, perfect song for a fireworks show. Perfect. Yeah, 1812 Overture, underrated. Caddyshack ending. And again, because of the fireworks, the explosions, mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, by the way, on this day in 1882, the first time the 1812 Overture was performed. How many songs have the chops to go 139 years? There's the math. Underrated? Is that what you said? Uh, underrated. I'll go that with you as well. You're on Twitter, right? I am, as Ferguson Jenkins knows, at 46 Sports. Uh, once again, real quick, I can watch tonight's football game on Facebook and YouTube. And the IHSA Champions Network. At, at kickoff, I can watch that. 645 pregame. You can catch the pregame. Or the polished performance at 11 o'clock. Well, it's the same thing, but it's there at 11. <laughs> You'll get commercials at 11. 11 on TV 46 locally tomorrow morning at, at 9, 9 o'clock. Yes. All right. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you? At my name is Corey. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, Mary Knight, Boston College women's basketball player. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.